We're actually coming to the end of a, well, fairly lengthy, it became a lengthy series uh, called the, the Greatest Sermon Ever Preached. Actually, it's the sermon Jesus preached on the mount, on the mountain, the sermon on the mount or the hill or the discourse on the, the ridge, whatever you want to call it. And we're finishing today with the uh, specifics of the scriptures. And uh, this morning, we're going to be sort of going back just for a few minutes and discovering or restating that one of the primary objectives, I believe, as you read this sermon in Matthew 5, Matthew 6, and Matthew 7, is that Jesus is primarily concerned with this issue of the heart, to understand what it means for the king to rule Uh, And that the human heart is the place surrendered to his rule, which enables the kingdom to to move from being out there somewhere to coming in and living within us. Jesus wants to rule and he wants to reign in the hearts of people so that Jesus, when he came up on the mountain Actually, before Matthew 5, over in Matthew 4, he was there and he said, repent for the kingdom of heaven is absolutely close at hand, which means to reevaluate your life and to begin to think not the way you have seen it in the past, but begin to think about your life the way God has seen it from the very beginning. And everything growing out of that then was Jesus trying to explain what it meant, sometimes by comparison, sometimes by contrast, what it means to live within the context of the present reality that the king really is at hand. And now for those who have opened the door of their heart and invited Christ to come and live his life within us, the king now is at home. The king is in in uh, enthroned, if you will, in human heart. So it's this notion of uh, the heartedness, the kingdom heart that we're really wanting to look at today. And I've actually uh, called this the heart of the disciple. I think this is just one of the the real key sort of aspects um, of what it means to have a heart for the king or to have the king living his life in our heart and living his life uh, in this world as us. So let me read, if I may, beginning at verse 21 of Matthew chapter 7. And this is the last section of the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus uh, said this, beginning at verse 21. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many good works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. There's probably not a Christian alive who, when they first read that, went, oh my goodness, I hope I'm not one of them. Uh, And then he went on to say, and he said, therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on rock. And the rains descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat upon the house and it did not fall for it was founded on the rock. 
But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house upon the sand. And the rains descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat upon the house. And, of course, it fell and great was its fall. It's this notion that Jesus is now teaching by contrast that I really want to look at with you for a moment. These last two contrasts that we have just read are how Jesus has chosen to end this, what I believe is one of the greatest sermons that was ever uh, preached. Now, in Matthew 7, beginning at verse 21 that I just read, Jesus said, uh, those who say, Lord, Lord, but do not do the will of my father. See, he's he's building a contrast here. There are people uh, who would say, Lord, Lord, but they don't do what I've uh, asked them to do. They don't do the will of the father. Now, of course, early in the, the sermon, Matthew chapter five, Jesus had a scathing rebuke of those who were the Pharisees and some of the scribes, those who would wear the long robes and the phylacteries and make their tassels so that everybody could see how religious they were. Uh, but he said, don't be like them. Uh, for example, they pray, but they pray in order to be seen by men and not so with you. Your father is in secret. And your father who sees in secret will answer you from that secret place. And he said the same thing to those who wanted to be seen for being charitable and giving gifts, if you will. There were people who would ring the bell and who would, you know, I'm going to give something to Jesus. You know, and they'd put, put their little and, and we all go, how, how does that happen? How do people do that? Or fasting. They disfigure their faces and we've gone over this and they wanted to be seen as fasting as if that was well, it was more spiritually valuable if people would give you an attaboy or way to go or man. That's awesome. So Jesus was talking about this notion of not everybody who says to me something is the real thing, but the one who actually does the will, the will of my father. And then in Matthew chapter seven, this time, verse 24, Jesus now builds another comparison. He talks about a house that's built upon the rock. He talks about a house that's built upon the sand. Of course, the house on the rock is the person who hears the word and actually does it. Versus the person who hears the word but isn't interested in doing it. And that end becomes sort of the cutting line, the the tipping point, the fulcrum, if you will, to what Jesus is really getting at for the people that were that was sitting before him on the hill. Jesus is very much interested in this this integratedness between what is outward, what people see and what is actually reality in their heart. Now, I believe that these two comparisons that I've just summarized very briefly can actually be understood best if we go back to a prior verse, which was verse 15 and 16, two verses in Matthew seven. And it says this, beware of false prophets. Um, who come to you dressed up like sheep, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves. You will know them by their fruit. Now, Jesus was not getting down on anyone, nor was he getting down on the office of prophet. He wasn't being disparaging about the prophetic ministry. It's the real deal. But what he was saying is be careful that you don't 
um, say one thing or want to appear one way, but in reality inside be something else. And one of our intercessors sent me this great picture. It's a darling little sheep skin, and inside is this woof. Now, um, I just want to linger there for a minute because this is Jesus' illustration. Um, He said, um, beware of falseness. Beware, specifically, of false prophets, people who come with perhaps a gifting Uh, But they do that uh, in order to mislead or devour. Inwardly, that's the operative word, inwardly they are ravenous wolves. Look at that little guy. Inwardly they are ravenous wolves. Now heretofore, Jesus was sort of uh, bringing correction to those who were clearly outward in their orientation. The scribes and the Pharisees who just loved to be seen as pious men, who loved the greatest seats in the synagogue, who loved to be seen for being spiritual and praying and giving and fasting and all the rest. Jesus was calling them, and over five times, as you may remember, Jesus called them hypocrites, play actors. Well, this is probably the ultimate play actor right here. That's an illustration how not just the Pharisees were covering themselves up to look like a sheep, but inwardly they were wolves. But now Jesus begins to take that that illustration and he begins to make it very personal to every person sitting on the hill. Matthew seven twenty one, as we saw, Jesus said the words of what we have done, remember, not all who say to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father. And on that day, many will say, have we not prophesied in your name? Have we not done mighty works in your name? And then Jesus will say, depart from me, I never knew you. Which means words of what we have done are insufficient evidence for membership in the kingdom. In other words... If we go back to this, uh, I don't know if I can get there. Let's see. Uh, Right there he is. If we go back to that picture, it is possible for a wolf to sound like a sheep. Now, I'm I'm making a conjecture here, but think about the illustration. This um, wolf who is dressed up like a sheep, if he goes to the trouble to dress up like a sheep, he's probably going to learn how to walk like a sheep, however sheep walk, you know. He's going to learn how to talk like a sheep. He's going to learn how the mannerisms of sheepness. Well, Jesus is saying that, well, we're kind of like that as well. We're able to learn the outward uh, parameters or, or benchmarks of what a Christian presumably acts like or looks like. But what he is simply saying here is be careful that you don't try to put up the front of looking like a sheep, acting like a sheep, speaking like a sheep. But inside, you're still you're 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 not transformed in your heart. You see, it's the heart of a disciple that he's really talking about here. Uh, So um, talk is cheap. Not all who say to me, Lord, Lord, when they're into the kingdom, talk is cheap. Religiosity is inadequate. 
I know how to be religious. Guess who's not impressed? (laughs) Truthfully, nobody, but certainly not Jesus. You see, outward behavior without inner reality is what Jesus is talking about here. Now, let me just pause for a minute and, and put all of us at ease because there's not a person in here who is not human. I lead the herd in that regard. And in our humanity, there are always times, there have been, there may be presently, and there certainly will be in the future that, well, we're not yet completely integrated between the inner and the outer person where there I will find myself in circumstances by which I'm uncomfortable that I just feel for whatever reasons in my insecurity and issues, I fake it. Really? Yeah, and so do you. Now, that is simply to say, everybody breathe. Jesus isn't condemning us for being human, but he is saying he's calling us to something that is absolutely miraculous, and that is the transformation of the wolf into a sheep. You see, we've all been translated, brought out of wolfness, out of darkness, and into the realm of light, sheepness. Are those words? Wolfness, sheep, you know what I'm saying. You see, the transformed heart is what happens to the wolf, I mean, who really is a murderous, you know, he's just tearing and killing by nature, and we become sheep in the kingdom by virtue of God bestowing upon us his identity, the identity of Jesus. We come to the cross, we recognize that he, he died for me being a wolf. He died for your wolfness. He took his sin, your sin and my sin upon himself so that there would be a miraculous transformation of heart so that we could with integrity, inner integrity that goes out through the whole dimensions of the human matrix, a real bona fide. That's who we are is sheep. So what Jesus is saying here is he's beginning to bring these contrasts down to practical dimensions where he says, be careful that you don't just talk. Be careful that you don't act religious. Be careful that you're not overly consumed with your outer behavior without there being an inner dimension of reality to it. Why didn't you just say that? Well, I did. Okay. So what Jesus is after here is then what does fruit look like? Fruit is not, therefore, the gift of the prophetic. Not all who say to me, Lord, Lord, will enter. Not all who prophesy, who cast out demons or who perform wonders. All of those are spiritual gifts, by the way. So Jesus is not disparaging about these spiritual gifts. He's just saying those in and of themselves don't authenticate you. What authenticates you is actually Doing the Father's will. Now, this weekend, I had an opportunity to talk with one of my uh, friends, and he was um, in another city, and he was charged with preaching, and uh, he was getting prepared to uh, preach, and he said his mind was absolutely on ten different things. And he began to be engaged with an individual um, in just, you know, how we just engage in conversation. And all of a sudden, there were other people coming up in his preoccupied mind. He realized that, that he became disengaged with this person, 
and went on to other things. And that other person began to feel this devalued, uh, not respected or uh, somehow um, dissed. And, and he said he went back the next week and he, he was doing the same thing. And lo and behold, the same thing happened. He said, I didn't mean to do that. I was just preoccupied and I recognize that something now is between this person and me. You know, you know that thing that feels like distance. Anybody married in here? <laughs> you know, that's that six inches that's between you that feels like a mile and a half. You know, that, that kind of thing. Well, he began to sense there was interpersonal distance between himself and this other person. This other person was just kind of not engaging. And he said, the Lord spoke to me and said, so-and-so, you need to go back and ask his forgiveness. You need to go back and ask his forgiveness for uh, unintentionally disengaging or dissing him or not valuing him in the conversation and just say to him something like, I was so preoccupied and that was my bad and I'm so sorry. Will you forgive me? Now, let's pause and just, this is an illustration. Uh, What if the person said to himself, oh, he's just being insensitive. He ought to just suck it up. He ought to just get over it. I was doing God's work, God's will. I had to preach the word. I have five things on my mind. What was the will of the Father is the question in that circumstance. God wasn't all that, wasn't all that caring about his preaching. God was speaking to his heart about going and being reconciled. Do you see how that works? It's so easy sometimes for us to be about what we think is the father's business that we miss the father's will. In other words, it's what Jesus was talking about to the Pharisees. They were wearing these robes. Jesus wasn't against wearing robes. Jesus was against wearing robes in order to be seen by men rather than letting God see what's in your heart. So when there's a circumstance in your life or in mine, uh, what God is speaking to us is of primary importance. Leave your mess right up front. Put your Bible down, Steve, and go and talk to that person. Ask their forgiveness. So by their fruit, you will know them. Fruit in this case is the willingness to go and ask, I may have hurt you last week or two. It came to my mind that um, I disengaged and I may have been inadvertently undervaluing the importance of just of spending a little bit of time with us because I had too many things on my mind. Will you forgive me? Now, what do you think would have happened? What he said? And here's he said, I'm purposing to do that. I said, there's fruit, brother. God's not so concerned that we blow it. Aren't you glad? He's concerned with when he gets our attention, what do we do with his getting our attention? Matthew 7, 24, then Jesus talks about this um, house on the rock. He says, therefore, now the therefore is important. It's therefore something. Therefore, uh, whoever hears these sayings of mine and actually does them. That's what Jesus has been saying all through Matthew 5, 6 and 7. Apprentices of Jesus, real disciples of Jesus, um, purpose in their heart to actually do what the Father says. In this case, hearing his words and actually does them. Whoever hears these things of mine and does them, I'll liken to a wise man who built his house upon the rock. 
and then contrasted to that the house upon the sand. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house upon the sand. And Jesus then says, given time, house upon the sand, which just means unstable soil, unstable, uh, no foundation. When the winds blow, when the rains come, when the floods come, and they will give yourself in a week or two, you'll be in a circumstance if you build on the sand where the house will fall. Now, remember what Jesus is talking about here. The person who hears these sayings of mine and actually does them is the one who builds his house upon the rock. Now, we pause then for a minute and say, um, have you discovered that it is possible for God to speak to you about doing something, going somewhere, speaking something to somebody, and you brushed it off? I've done that. You kind of sweep it under the rug and you, you, know, you stand on the, on the bulge for a few moments and you go, well, you know, who knows? The Father who is in secret knows. And the Father who is in secret sees in secret and He's the one that knows. We're not that much concerned about what other people see or what they know. We're concerned about the Father who is in heaven. So those who hear these sayings of Jesus and actually does them is like the man who built his house upon the rock. Again, the fruit in this scenario is hearing what God is speaking and actually doing the words of Jesus. Christian, beloved brother or sister, if you call yourself a Christian, there is one thing that is of utmost importance. Hearing, that's two things, and then doing. What Jesus said, there's nothing any greater that than than doing that. So in verse 28, then we come down to the very end of the chapter and people who were sitting on the lawn on the hill on the mountain, as we call it, were going, this guy is different. The people were astonished at his teaching. Why? Because he taught them as one who had authority and not as the scribes. Now, Jesus goes back to then the very beginning of the sermon. If you want to be like the scribe or the Pharisee, if you want to dress up in sheep's clothing and not let God have access to your heart, it will be at your own peril. That's what he's saying here. Because if we hear his word and do not do what the word says, then we are building our house upon the sand and the wind will come. The waves will beat against it. The deluge will happen and the house will fall apart. People's houses are always falling apart, personally speaking. You see, we get into all kinds of fixes and our life falls apart and we kind of wonder why they fall apart. Well, often it's because God says to you to do something and we say, mm. now, the, the word is rationalize. Y'all know that one? We go, well, you know, this. how do I know this is really God? Well, usually what that means is God's asked you to do something that's hard on your flesh. It might embarrass you. You've got to wear the big hat. You've got to go back and go, you know what, I may be totally wrong, but I sense some distance in our relationship, and I think maybe I, I just I acted crudely or whatever. Will you forgive me? Oh, what's that person going to do? 99% of the cases, they'll go, sure, I will. They just want to be valued. That's what I want. That's what you want. 
And Jesus here is telling us how to actually be valued. Jesus was teaching not as the scribes, but he was teaching as one who had authority. Now, what made Jesus have authority? He knew who he was. And Jesus was the one who most accurately demonstrated integrity, integratedness between the inside person of the heart and the exterior that people saw. And people looked at Jesus and said, whoa, he's the real deal. And you know what? There are people all around us who are looking at us asking that same question. I wonder if you're the real deal. And the church has failed miserably because in some cases we've been more interested in having our fur uh, coiffured as a sheep rather than having our heart um, tended to by the Spirit of God. Now let me end. I've got four little, five little bullet points here. And let me just say every one of you can hear the voice of God. When he speaks, every one of you, I know some of you are going to, you know, you're going to know you. You don't know me. I can't hear. Yes, you can. Everybody, everybody knows intuitive, intrinsically. There is something in you by which, you know, the difference, for example, of good versus evil. When you come to Christ, Jesus now lives his life in you and has brought into the central part of the reality of your human structure, your heart, the capacity for you to now hear as a symphonically you can hear. The question isn't can you hear? The question is really, will you obey? And are you willing to have him be the most important in your life? Back to illustration number one. Not all who say to me, Lord, Master, I belong totally to you. But it's the one who says, yes, you're Lord, and I demonstrate it by obeying you in the smallest way you speak to me. Go up to that guy at the grocery store. I mean, this grocery store you're now in, Steve, and speak to him a word of encouragement. Oh, that's, that's, that, that, that's the devil. No, that's Steve not stepping across the chicken line. That's what that is. Holy Spirit said, go encourage that man. You never know what's in his heart to do destructively to himself or other people. And one little word from the king can transform his life. But I often chicken out. Now, it's to that Jesus then goes back to what he originally said. Repent. For the kingdom of heaven is absolutely at hand. It's as close to you as the air that you breathe. So don't just talk the word. Walk it. Oh, you mean we really got to do this stuff? Yes. <laughs> don't just talk the word. Actually walk it. Now, some of you are going to get tested on this today. Write it down in the margin of your bulletin. God may test me today. Some of you got tested before you walked in here, didn't you? I shared the same message first service and somebody walked in. Or I was walking out and they said, as I was walking in, God was saying, you need to do this. I said, oh, okay. See, God works that way. Okay, don't, don't just talk, walk. Secondly, God's interested in integrity. Integrity is, isn't just this moral reality in my heart, though it is that, but it's, it's um, 
the unification of what is in the heart with what is outside me. God wants us to be integrated people, people who have integrity, integratedness between the inside and the outside. Quit worrying about what I look like. God isn't interested. Much as we're interested in how we look to each other. God's interested in what's going on in the heart. And then thirdly, obedience is better than sacrifice. That's a quote from the Old Testament, of course, in 1 Samuel, I think it is. Um, Obedience is always better than sacrifice. The Pharisees were great in sacrificing. They were religious folk. Jesus said, no, obey me. Don't say, Lord, Lord, just do what I say. Oh, that's easy. Everybody can do that. Everybody. Everybody can hear and can obey the sayings of Jesus. Fourthly, pay attention to your heart. Now, we all pay attention to our head. We're logical and empirical and, you know, all that stuff we do as good Western Christians. But pay attention to your heart. Because God has chosen to move in there. If Jesus lives in you, he is actually, he is literally in you by his spirit. And he will attune your heart to what is pleasing to him. And if you make a choice today to say, God, I want to hear you better. And I want to obey you every time you speak. Honey, watch out. Because he will test you and he'll go, okay, I spoke. Now, what are you going to do with it? Pay attention to your heart. And finally, be quick and go. When God says, when you bring your gift to the altar and there remember that somebody has something against you, maybe it's somebody that you just inadvertently snubbed, unknowingly pushed aside, marginalized them. You weren't even intending to do it. Leave your gift and go be reconciled. This isn't hard. Well... It's not complicated. It's hard on our flesh sometimes. But that's the calling of every person uh, in Christ. Well, that's all I have. (laughs) Now, when Jesus finished teaching them, they were astonished because he taught them with authority. Jesus was a perfectly integrated person. What you saw was who he really was. Does anyone in here aspire to be uh, a better example of of unification? No, that's not a good word. Um, Integratedness between the inside and the outside. Anybody besides me? A few of us? Cool. Let's pray. Let's ask God to do that in our hearts, shall we? And Father, uh, just as we end here this morning, and we want to thank you for your word, and we want to give you praise, Lord, for... Uh, being willing to speak to us with both what is written and by your Spirit. And God, I know that you want to energize your church for these days in which we live. And Lord, I pray for those who are gathered here and for any who may hear in other methods like the Internet, that God, you would cause each one of us to say in our heart of hearts, God, make me more and more like Jesus. Lord, I thank you that it's not by works of righteousness which we have done, but it's according to your mercy that you saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit in our hearts. Lord, you take the wolf out. You drive him out and transform him into a sheep. God, thank you that you've done that by grace. 
If you're here today and have never signed on to follow Jesus, never said, okay, I'm tired of living life in my strength, in my means, then uh, today might be the really great day, the greatest day of your life where you can say, Jesus, just as I am without a plea, but that your blood was shed for me. Would you forgive my sin? Would you come into my life? Would you live there all of the days of my life? And would you cause me to be the same on the inside as I am on the outside? And God, would you do that work in our hearts by grace? In Jesus' name. Let's stand. We'll be dismissed. Some of our ministry team, elders, if you'd make your way to the front. I want to have some people available so that if you'd like special prayer this morning before you slip out, maybe you're giving your life to Christ for the very first time. It really does happen. Though we live in a culture that is primarily Christian by draping, but if you're here and have never given your life to Jesus, come on into the party. The water is awesome. If you'd like special prayer for yourself or a loved one, we invite you to be uh, come and be prayed for as well. So now, if you're ready to slip out and receive today's benediction, God's blessing is spoken over us. Just stick out your hands. High, low, doesn't matter. God said, every time you bless my people like this, I'm going to put my name upon them. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord... Make his face to shine upon you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace, both now and forever. And all who receive his blessing then said together, Amen.